feel like quitting Something keeps living inside me, keeps yelling Tell me push on, push harder past the limit It's no time for the giving and stick to it when I'm giving them It's my all and so they march for the sergeant Ready to give it all up for the cause and just charge it when I tell them to let it loose with the weapons, you blasting it down the mannequin backing off what they never do. Never give up, not without a fight. Just to save a life, they would die, give their life. March, 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 march. What's going on, Warriors? Tim Lawson here. I am your host. This is Fuel for Warriors. Hopefully you're listening on iTunes. Hopefully you're listening on Blog Talk Radio. Hopefully you're listening on Stitcher. Hopefully you're finding a way to listen to this show each and every week because we are bringing you amazing guests with really insightful stories. We're learning about so many different industries and personal lives of these veterans, these athletes, etc. It is so amazing. I'm so pumped. This week I have a guest that I've actually been pursuing for a while. I tried to get him on one of my previous programs uh, to no avail. We we just couldn't work it out, but so glad we finally found a time to record. This is Marine Corps veteran Nick Carnese. He is the founder of Stubble and Stash, and it was I was very it's uh, perfect timing to talk to him too because I've just recently started growing a beard. I needed I needed to know how to take care of it. Glad I got a chance to talk to him. Carl actually uh, has a connection to Nick that I wasn't aware of until we did the recording. He wants to tell you a little bit about about Lock and Load Java and his support for Nick's company. Hey, Warriors, this is Carl Churchill, co-founder and chief coffee officer of Lock and Load Java. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our friend and fellow veteran Tim Lawson as he interviews risk takers who've embraced the warrior ethos. I'm excited about Tim's interview with Nick Carnese. He's a Marsoc vet who founded Stubble and Stash Beard and Skin Care. At Lock and Load Java, we strongly support other vet-owned businesses, and that's one of the reasons we were an early contributor to the Indiegogo campaign that Stubble and Stash ran to raise funds. I know you'll love our guest today, and when you're finished with the episode, head over to LockandLoadJava.com and use the coupon code Fuel for Warriors to receive a 10% discount on our premium coffee and cocoa. Stay motivated, my friends, and keep challenging yourself. All right, Warriors, this week I have another Marine Corps veteran, founder of Stubble and Stash, Mr. Nick Carnese. Sir, thank you for joining me on the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So, uh, you know, one of... We're just going to get into your military career because whenever whenever I have veterans on the show, that's like the first thing I want to know because it takes a, it takes a special kind of person to decide to join the United States military. It takes an even crazier kind of person to, to join uh, the United States Marine Corps, and everybody has a unique unique story when it comes to that decision to uh, you know to find to to serve and, and to enlist. And so, bring us back to that day. I know you you were I know you graduated from the Naval Academy, correct? I did. I did. Yeah, it was um, it was one of those sayings, you know, I, I think like most boys growing up, I love playing with G.I. Joes and all that type of stuff. So I was always, always fascinated by the military. And um, I, I never really considered which branch I would go into that seriously until uh, my freshman year of high school. And uh, my parents had gone through a pretty bad divorce. And um, I, I started high school and I uh, they they just started a brand new Marine Corps ROTC program there. And um, I got involved with them, and I, I quickly realized that the Marine instructor and the senior Marine instructor were quite possibly two of the uh, 
the best men that I've ever met in my life. And I said, I want to be like them when, when I grew up. And um, they actually introduced me to the idea of going to either West Point or Annapolis. Um, so that's kind of where the idea originally came from. And uh, I, just, I just fell in love with it, you know, just learning more about the military, military culture, especially the Marine Corps and, um, and also the, uh, the service academies. And if it wasn't for them, you know, I might have ended up at some small liberal arts college in, uh, in Colorado smoking pot all day. So, you know, um, that was a, a, good, uh, a, good, a good pivot. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I went to the Naval Academy for the sole purpose of, uh, of being a Marine. Outstanding. And so what, uh, what, what, what did the Marine Corps give you once you graduated? What, uh, what, what adventures did they have for you? Yeah, so I, um, I started off as an intel officer uh, coming out of TBS. And, um, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. I studied political science with an emphasis on national security intelligence at, uh, at Annapolis. And, um, you know, I just, I, I really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, when you're going through the basic school, um, I personally kind of learned to appreciate that if you had bad intel, it was really going to mess up your day. And uh, all my boys were going to go infantry, you know, uh, because it was the height of uh, the Iraq war. And, and uh, we we're all looking to go uh, go get our bayonets bloody. Sure. But, um, so I was like, you know what? I want to I want to be able to provide the best information to my like my best friends um, that are in the fight. So when Intel out of uh, out of TBS, I selected aviation intelligence, actually, because um, there was no aviation intelligence representation um, at TBS. And all the other uh, Marine officers were like, you know, hey, they not really. There's not really too much aviation intel going on. So those guys that take that that path, um, they end up doing some pretty cool stuff. So I'm a bit of a gambling man. So like, yeah, you know, I'll try. I'll take a little risk. So uh, one aviation intel. My first assignment was Okinawa, Japan, with the first Marine aircraft wing. And uh, my bosses quickly realized none of them were originally air intel guys. They're like, Nick, bro, you don't, you don't belong here. You belong on the ground side of the house. I'm like, I agree with that. Mm -hmm. So um, I did a, a deployment with a nine-man embedded training team um, through uh, um, uh, the division out there. And um, that's where I was first really introduced to working with special operations uh, forces on the ground. I worked very close with an ODA uh, and also with a uh, with a um, group of SEALs and some other organizations running running missions along the Pakistani border, and um, I was going to get out of the Marine Corps and lap move and uh, you know apply to the Q course and try to go Army SF, but that was right around the time that Marsoc stood up, and my boss was like, Nick, there's no need for you to lap move, just uh, try it for this new Marsoc thing. They just took uh, the force reconnaissance companies and platoons and turned them into uh, first and second IMSA. I was like, Roger that. So, um, 2007. I uh, went from Okinawa to uh, to Lejeune and went through the whole selection process and joined Marsoc and did that until I left in um, 2011. And uh, I actually left to start my first company, which focused on international stabilization operations, which was a direct result of uh, one of the projects I was responsible for in Northwest Afghanistan. Um, my boss, you know, we were doing typical special operations missions, a lot of kill capture type work in it. It wasn't working, and he gave me kind of a blank check to do whatever I felt necessary to help the region. So, uh, put together a little plan with a USAID development officer who was uh, attached to the Special Operations Task Force, and uh, implemented a, a road improvement project. And uh, we did some microground initiatives to really kind of spur economic growth because we realized a lot of people that we were fighting were just poor dirt farmers and weren't, um, you know, big T Taliban as we used to call them. So uh, that really kind of opened my eyes to the to the power of development. Um, so I decided to get out of the Marine Corps because of my time at MARSOC was done since the only one officers there for uh, 
four to five years. Um, so, you know, I didn't necessarily feel like going back into the big Marine Corps and, you know, I was getting close to uh, pitting on major and I didn't want to sit behind a desk. So I decided to, uh, to punch. Wonderful. So let's, uh, let's talk about beards for a second because yeah. I'm, I'm currently uh, rocking a beard. This is new to my life um, just in the past couple months and I'm digging it and I just got back from the Student Veteran of America conference down in San Antonio and like half the people there are wearing beards. Uh, and so it, it seems like uh, it seems like in the past couple of years, facial hair and beards have taken like this this very serious trend. And so you know, I'm, I'm assuming your your product uh, is is def is uh, I don't, I'm sure that you're seeing that trend uh, in effect. You know, take us back to you know, I'll, I'll, first I want to hear the story behind Stubble and Stash because the website uh, speaks about you know how you know it's uh, it's in honor of a of a fallen warrior. But then I want to hear sort of like were, were you just like like, were you just like scra- scratching your beard one day and you're like, oh, I, I, I need to solve, like, talk about the entrepreneurship side of it and then also the story behind, uh, you know, the, the, the dedication of Stubble and Stash. Yeah. So, um, so that first company that I, I left the Marine Corps to start, you know, I did that for about a year and I walked away from it and uh, I was doing what most people do in the beltway, which is, you know, doing some government contracting until you figure out what you want to do with your life. Yeah. And, uh, so in, in MARSOC, in the, the special operations community in general, depending on the mission, you know, normally you'll grow your beard out um, when you're downrange. So like, you know, you haven't showered for like months on end, so you're really not really caring what your beard looks like. But um, after I got out on July 24th, 2012, uh, my really good friend, uh, Sergeant Justin Hansen, and he was, he was killed uh, in Afghanistan um, going after a, a target that we'd actually been hunting for years. And, uh, you know, he was one of those guys that was larger than life. And, um, you know, he was, he was pretty much like Captain America, if you will. And, um, he was one of my, my closest friends down in Wilmington. And when he went down, it really hit me hard as it did everybody. And, uh, you know, I knew he had a a big, pretty gnarly beard when he was shot. And, um, for whatever reason, I decided to grow my beard out for his funeral because I'd been rocking a little bit of stubble. And, um, I don't know, like I, I chalk it up to being a coping mechanism, but I was like, you know, I'm just going to grow this thing out. And uh, in doing so, like I'm sure you're you're very well aware, when you start growing it out, it gets a little itchy, right? Yeah, so like yeah. you got the itch, and like, uh. and at this point, you know, I'm out of the Marine Corps. You know, we get paid to suffer. I'm like, you know, I'm not going to suffer anymore. There's got to be some product that I can use um, to help with this itch and help kind of get this coarse hair under control. But also, I'm lazy, so I didn't want to use a product on my beard and then use another product on my face uh, because I do use a daily moisturizer. Um, you know, just because of being out in the sun and, you know, kind of appreciating the value of like taking care of your skin. So I wanted something that would do everything and, uh, I couldn't find it. So, um, you know, I'm i I'm a bit of a nerd. So like, you know, I'll solve this problem. So I'm literally in my kitchen watching Breaking Bad while it's making meth. I'm making <laughs> lotion thinking this is hilarious. And then, um, and then, you know, originally it was just for me, but I told some of my Navy SEAL buddies about it. And we all know the SEALs are all about looking, looking cool and sounding good on the radio. So they're like, dude, like, hook me up. I want some of this, like, product. This is going to make me better looking. Like, I'll take it. I'm like, oh, hey, this could be a viable business. So um, that's where uh, Stubble and Stash was born um, with our, our first product, which was kind of like a beard oil combined with a daily uh, facial moisturizer. Um, and, uh, ultimately the, the company is going to turn into a full masculine grooming line, right? So, you know, starting off with all things beard care, then expanding, uh, into more skincare specific products. Um, and, uh, given the inspiration for the idea, 
you know, we donate 15% of our profits to charities that work with uh, mentally wounded heroes. So, you know, I think we've all unfortunately lost um, too many friends to, to suicide that have come back home. You know, we won the war, but they lost the battle uh, here in the States. So, you know, my mission is to, you know, create the best men's skincare line in existence. But second to that, and actually on par with that, is to create a never-ending flow of money to fund these much-needed um, organizations that are really working to stop, you know, veteran suicide and depression and things like that. Um, you know, because right now we're very fortunate that the public, we have their attention. So, you know, the VA is getting funding and these different organizations are getting public money. Um, but, you know, we all know that that money might not stick around. So I want to create something that's enduring, that's going to provide a continual stream of, of funding to, the, to these organizations. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the backstory on that. And, uh, you know, I never, I never knew that beards were going to pick up the way that they did. And, uh, it, it's, it's interesting, you know, because like a lot of us, you know, we get out of the military and we grow them out because we had to be clean shaven with high and tights most of our career. And like, all right, I can finally let my hair down a little bit. But, um, you know, I think part of it too is the backlash from this whole metrosexual thing that was going on a few years ago, which personally I absolutely hated. Um, but so, you know, I think it's just, uh, guys, whether they served in the military or not, they're just kind of like reclaiming their masculinity, you know, it's like, Hey, it's all right to be a man. And, uh, you know, I think a lot of people respond quite favorably to that. You know, I don't think I've met a woman yet who, uh, who doesn't like a beard. So, you know, they might say they don't, but then they get to know, you are like, all right, I kind of like this beard thing. So, you know, it's, yeah, funny. it's, it's cool. It's, it's funny you say I think, um, women have been a lot more vocal and a lot more forward, especially like on social media with like memes and funny posts and stuff like that about how attractive they find a beard. And I think that that is, that has become very encouraging to, I don't know, you know, the average guy to at least try, you know, to see, uh, what it means to grow a beard. Uh, I know when I was, uh, you know, so for, for most of my time out of the, out of the Marine Corps, it usually was I would just I, w I would shave and then you know, I just grow my hair out and then as soon as it got like as soon as I either needed to shave for an event or it got like itchy or irritable then I would shave it and this last time it just it never got itchy like it it it, it flew through that stubble stage and got to like the beard and was never really irritating so I just kept it around and. It's it's funny because as soon as you get the beard, you're like, oh god, now do I what do I do with this thing? Like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, do I take do I, do I need to shampoo it? How do I trim it? Like, what? what I have no idea. There's so many things I can do with this. So I think beards are are, are really fascinating right now because everybody has like, uh, you know, there's the there's the really nice shaped beards, you know, that like are nice and long but have like a nice shape to them, and then you have like just like the the operator beard, you know, where it's just like out and everywhere, and it's like total, you know, don't give a, you know. And uh, then you got the nice trimmed, like all, all, like so, sort of like a shadow on the on the face. And so it's really interesting how everybody uh, is is adapting a, a beard to their look. Uh, it's it's great to hear that you are uh, taking this opportunity, you know, to do a little philanthropy as well, and, and you know, and donating to uh, to these to these causes. I know it's, you know, doing a uh, a podcast on veteran suicide. I know it's a very serious crisis, and uh, even with the public's attention, uh, I still feel like we're we're so far away from fully understanding uh you know what's what's happening so it's uh, I, I thank you for for taking that initiative uh lock and load java uh you know the the collaborators here on fuel for warriors also uh you know donates a percentage of of uh of their revenues to to charity so i think it's uh i love seeing that veteran entrepreneurs are taking that opportunity to both have their you know 
have make their have their own business and then give back to uh, to the warriors that they serve with is very uh, very admirable. Yeah, I think it's great. You know, with with uh, you know every every person, man, woman that that served in the military, you know, it's a team sport, right? So. You know, we get out and we go into the private sector and, and that team mentality definitely has not left. So it just, it makes sense. You know, it's like you see these news articles about, you know, people just applauding these big private organizations that donate a very small fraction of their revenue. And like, oh my gosh, this is so amazing, which it is. But, you know, every veteran I talk to, everyone's like, yeah, it makes sense. Like, why wouldn't you give back? It's, it's what we do, you know? So, Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's awesome. So, uh, so let's talk about the product a little bit. And because uh, I, I think it's, so, I mean, how do, you, how do you get this in front of people? I mean, again, you, we mentioned like, you know, you know, beards are a thing now, so it's a little bit easier to, to find, uh, I think, your target, your target market. But, uh, you know, how, do, how are you getting stubble and stash products in, in front of men with beards? Yeah, so um, we primarily sell online right now. So we've been selling for um, a, almost a year and a half. So still very much the startup roller coaster. And um, with the backstory, you know, we started off initially reaching out to to veterans, and we gained a fair amount of traction um, through veteran, whether it's bloggers or or uh, other veteran business owners that kind of post about it, or that we've partnered with, or or some of the nonprofits that we support. Um, so that was the original way. And then we started getting uh, picked up by some of the mainstream fashion bloggers um, that, uh, that cover, you know, just like trends as, as beards became more and more trendy. And, um, and now we're actually, we partnered with Birchbox, which um, for those people that aren't familiar, it's a subscription service. Basically, they started off focused on women. Now they have Birchbox, man. But uh, you pay them like 20 bucks a month and every month you get a box with uh, cool samples, whether it's skincare products, hair care products, or like, you know, wooden headphones or kind of like cool new gadgets. Um, and then you can go through and buy those products off of their website. So that's actually increased our, our reach um, substantially. And they've been an absolutely wonderful partner. But, um, you know, like anything, it is, it's, it's a challenge to get your name out there, to get your brand out there. And, uh, you know, we're fortunate to have, to have a cool story. Um, you know, I tried, I want to strike that fine balance of not, you know, I, I don't like companies that exploit certain things. So we're, we're not going to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's also another interesting, um, issue, I guess, that I didn't foresee is, is we created a new product category. So guys with beards, if they're really into it, I'm sure they'll be familiar with beard oils, which are, are a very simple mixture of, uh, of oils that, um, help to condition, uh, your beard. And, um, you know, they, they work great. Uh, most men have very oily skin. So, you know, a lot of guys are kind of, they don't necessarily want to put an oil on their face, right? Because they're afraid they're going to look like the Exxon Valdez. But uh, <laughs> so I looked at those and, and uh, I wanted something that did, that did more than that. So, you know, what our product does, it replaces a beard oil and it also replaces your daily anti-wrinkle moisturizer. Um, and then also we have a lot of antioxidants that help with free radical skin damage. Um, that occurs, you know, from the sun or from just pollutants in the air. And uh, it's been interesting educating you men about like, hey, guys, this is the product that you use on your beard. And uh, we have, you know, the best oils that you'll find in the highest quality beard oils. In addition to that, we have conditioners that uh, Johnson & Johnson uses in their uh, baby conditioner. Um, so we have an extra oomph when it comes to making your beard soft. Uh, and shiny, we have soy protein, which helps with the health of the hair and the strength of the hair. Um, and then also we have tea tree oil, chamomile, and aloe, which are all very soothing. And that's what helps with the, the itch and irritation. 
and um, actually have a number of high-end barbershops now using it as a straight razor or straight razor aftershave lotion. So they'll use it in their barbershop. They'll give a guy you know a nice straight razor shave, and then they'll apply our lotion because it really helps with uh, with the razor burn, which was never intended. Uh, but the barbershops they they uh, keyed us into that, which is great. And then also we have a lot of great moisturizers that just help to keep the skin well hydrated. Uh, and then something I'm beginning to appreciate a little bit more. Uh, but we have some uh, anti wrinkle elements that help to uh, reduce the appearance of fine lines and wrinkles. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, you know, running a small business is pretty stressful. So I'm starting to look like an old man these days. But, uh, <laughs> so starting to use your own product more better than you'd think, huh? Oh yeah, you know, at first I was kind of reluctant to tell guys like, yeah, man, hey, you can also use this as your uh, daily, anti, um, you know, anti-aging cream or whatever. But you know what's funny is I, I received emails from women that bought it for their boyfriends or their husbands. And women read the back of labels, and now I have women using it as their daily moisturizer because you know we sell our tubes for you know three ounces, and uh, we sell it three ounces for about thirty four dollars, and that lasts most guys with you know average use about three months, so very reasonable, less than like a, a cup of coffee a day. Um, but women, they're paying eighty dollars for the same ingredients for like half an ounce or for an ounce. So I have women write me, be like, "Hey, Nick, you know, I need to order some more because uh, I read your label and I'm paying way too much for the exact same stuff." So now I have women using it, which uh, you know I never thought would happen. But hey, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. So I mean, so you have the face and beard wash, you have a face moisturizer and beard conditioner. What's what's next? Like, what's the next product that Stubble and Stash is going to implement into their into their set? So late January, we're going to launch our beard styling balm, and uh, it's another dual-use technology, if you will. So you can use it in your hair, and you can also use it on your beard. And it's almost the consistency of whipped butter, and um, it's unscented, so it's not going to compete with your cologne because you know a lot of the beard products on the market, you know, they smell like pine trees, or they're, they're kind of really capitalizing on like the mountain man stuff, which is awesome. I love that. But, uh, you know, I don't always want to smell like a woodsman. So uh, most of our products <laughs> Especially are, uh, in Washington, D.C., so. where it's like, I clearly did not just come from the woods. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's like, you're not fooling anyone. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, but it's actually really cool. I'm pretty stoked about it. So it has that conditioning element to it. We have uh, jojoba esters. Uh, we have beeswax. And it provides a light to medium hold. So as I'm sure you're experiencing, as your beard gets longer, you know, you wake up in the morning and sometimes it's like you have bed beard and like a little bed head on your beard <laughs> um and uh I, I started noticing that you know like i like to keep my beard like i like to keep mine looking um somewhat professional you know i've done the mountain man thing just going crazy uh which i enjoy but you know i'm more of a i like to keep things a little little tighter so it provides that light to medium hold um also helps to uh, condition it keep it uh keep it nice and soft and help with the hair health um, and same thing with uh, using it on on your head of hair. You know, I don't like these products that are like very very waxy that you have to you know use turpentine to get out of your your hair. Um, so uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited to launch that. It's going to be in a two ounce tube, and then follow, I think we're going to actually follow that up with a uh, with an oil actually. So um, we're taking uh, the beard oil and then we're adding in some other things to uh, to actually do a really nice kind of rejuvenating uh, oil that um that can be applied on to both your your beard and your face so um you know we're taking some time to make sure that it uh, it doesn't you know it absorbs into the skin as opposed to leaving a, a film on your face which uh, no one likes so yeah those are the two that we got lined up and then uh right now i'm looking to do a um a sunscreen which probably if i can get it 
Um, I want to get it out by summer, but uh, that actually requires some FDA approval. So that takes some time to go through the approval process. Okay. So why, why, why does that specifically need FDA approval, but your other products don't? Yeah, so um, this is actually an interesting point that I didn't really appreciate until I got into the business. So, you know, there are a lot of like small businesses that make, you know, cosmetic products in their home, which is awesome. But um, if you think about it, there's a lot of opportunity for cross-contamination. So the FDA, they set good manufacturing guidelines. And uh, we actually have a manufacturing facility in Texas and um, we follow the FDA good manufacturing guidelines and we test all of our ingredients and our finished product for any type of contamination, whether it's you know, fungal, microbial, anything like that. Um, so you know, we produce everything um, with, with very stringent um, safety guidelines in place. Um, which you just simply can't do like in your home kitchen. And I learned that when I was mixing up my lotion watching, you know, Breaking Bad. Um, so, so the FDA does set forth labeling guidelines that you have to have your labels compliant with um, the FDA standard. And they do set forth good manufacturing guidelines that you don't necessarily have to follow. Um, but uh, we definitely do. Now, the difference between a normal you know, skin lotion, for example, and a sunscreen is that the sunscreen actually contains active ingredients. So ingredients that actually change what's going on on the surface of your skin, and that's how it's able to uh, protect the skin from, from UV rays. So that's like an over-the-counter drug, essentially. So you know, if you're if you're thinking about Tylenol, your Advils, you know that's all FDA approved, right? Because you're actually putting something into your body that changes the way the body functions. Um, so when you start adding a sunscreen into your lotion, now you're changing the way that the body functions, and it has to be um, regulated by by the FDA. So essentially, what we're doing, there are existing sunscreens um, that you can put into products that are already FDA approved. But now what you have to do, put that into your product. Um, and then submit that to the FDA to ensure that it is safe and it does what it says it does. Like if you do an SPF 15 or an SPF 20, 30, whatever. Um, so that is just, you know, as, as the law is written, um, when you start using these ingredients that change the way that, um, you know, the skin or, or, or the body um, reacts to things, you have to be approved, which is why you don't see too many small businesses uh, with sunscreens in their products because it's actually a very expensive testing process to go through. And um, this is something I wanted to do from the beginning, but we just didn't have the working capital to to afford to do it. And um, you know, now we're getting to the place where where uh, we do have some money to go through that approval process. And frankly, you know, skin cancer—that's one of the leading causes of death for men. And you know, you and I both spending time out in the out in the field. You know, just gosh, I don't even remember how many sunburns I've had. It's right. it's a real concern. So um, you know, we we always want to produce products that uh, that make men better. And in this case, if we can help uh, prevent skin cancer, then then by all means, you know, we're going to make that investment and go through that process. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's get into uh, these these last golden questions here, where, where we we find out what uh, what challenges you're facing and what ultimately inspires you. So when looking at your professional life, either directly with the product or just being an entrepreneur, or maybe even parts of your personal life, what uh, what challenges are you seeing on a daily or weekly basis that you find yourself encountering and you know addressing and you and finding ways to get better at dealing with? You know what's funny is I never thought I was going to have this problem, um, but it's a daily problem that I've that I've reached now. So, you know, men and women that join the military, we're all very driven, right? Most of us have a bit of an alpha tendency, 
Um, but when you go out on your own, and I started this business by myself, I didn't, I didn't have a co-founder, and I, I still don't. Um, you know, when you're working from a coffee shop or from your home office, and you're getting this thing rolling, um, there is so much to do. But over time, it's very easy to kind of get into this rut of not nearly being as productive as you could be. Oh, tell and, me about uh, it. My goodness. Oh my. You know, and I start, I start looking at myself. I was. You know, because I, I, I go to the VA, you know, I get my health care through the VA and, um, you know, I'm not, I, I think all of us come back from, you know, the war zones affected in one way, shape or form or have, you know, the combat vets. We all have some varying degree of, of PTSD. Um, you know, I've been, I've been great. You know, I've been very fortunate, um, you know, just, just doing very well. And uh, I was talking with one of the doctors, dude, you know, I like to do checkups every now and then just be like, hey, am I good? Like, are we good? So I was talking to the doc, I was like, hey, doc, I don't know what's going on. Like, I love what I'm doing, but I'm having a really hard time motivating to get some stuff done. And it's not like I don't like to do it, right? Because we've all had those jobs that we hate, right? Like, oh, God, I don't want to go do that. Like, this is stuff that I'm passionate about and I want to do it. I want to succeed. Like, I want to help my boys out. But I sat on the couch for two hours during lunch. Like, what the hell? Um, So it's, uh, yeah. That's, you know, and then you start, you start looking at yourself like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're telling me that like, we can go do all this amazing stuff in combat and here I'm having a hard time to get off the couch to go mail and order. Like, come on. Um, yeah. So like, just for me, getting in that routine is, is the big thing. And, and that's kind of what it came down to. Like in the military, we had that routine. Uh, we had our teammates, our Marines, our soldiers, whoever that were dependent upon us. Um, so, you know, you don't want to fail them. Um, and you know that you have to be here at this certain time just because we're all going to be there. So when you're striking it out on your own and you lose that structure, that's when you start to kind of stall and get into these little ruts. And uh, I'm no exception. So for me, just getting that structure reestablished and then just really being honest with myself about like, hey, bro, like you could have done a lot more today. Like, all right, let's like adjust fire and get it right tomorrow. Um, and actually lining out a schedule, you know, it's funny. So, you know, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I was I was part of the Marine Corps Junior ROTC program when I was in high school, which I don't necessarily mention too much. But the one thing I did, I remember that uh, our Marine instructor, Major Barker, he made every single one of us fill out every week a time management form, you know, by hour, what were we going to be doing um, just to hold yourself accountable. And I've kind of found myself doing that again. Like here I am like a 33 year old man. Like I'm filling out a calendar saying, okay, at 8.30 AM, I'm going to go crush some steel, you know, like 9.30, I'm answering emails at 10 o'clock. I've got the conference call, just like laying it all out there to hold yourself accountable. And that's been one of my biggest frustrations um, personally with myself is because you think that you can be doing more. You kind of get hard on yourself. So getting that routine back has been a big help. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I mean, personally, productivity and time management and uh, doing what you want all mixed together is like is is really important to me. And it's something that I try that uh, I always try to talk to other entrepreneurs and other productive people, because, you know, you, you start looking at all the things that you think you can do in a day or that you want to be doing in a day. And even if, you know, if you want to if you want to exercise, uh, you know, uh, meditate, uh, you know, you want to get a good meal, you want to check your email, go for a walk. All these things take like a half an hour of your day. And so, you know, so when you think about, uh, you know, four or five things that you like, what you want to make sure you do every day, like maybe study a language or all these things like, oh, you know, this, I'm going to improve myself. Like it takes up a significant amount of time. And, you know, sometimes we forget that like these, these, these um, sort of support, uh, support uh, things that we do in our lives to keep ourselves like peaceful and like motivated and stuff 
suck up a decent amount of time and then it reduces the amount of time that we can be productive. So as soon as we find ourselves sitting on the couch for two hours, we're like really eating in that productive time because we've already sort of shrunken a little bit. I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've noticed this, uh, as an entrepreneur. Some people, you know, ask me like, what is it, you know, cause I'm, I'm also self-employed. I'm very mobile. I, I travel a lot. And, you know, people ask me like, oh, you know, how do you, uh, how do you manage your time? And it's, uh, you know, every day is a vacation day and every hour is a working hour. And that's sort of like how I've been able to, how I've, how I've viewed it. So true. Yeah. So true. That's actually a really good way to look at it. Because like I could be, you know, I can go three days, I can go somewhere for like three days and like on one day not do anything. And then the next day work the first three hours of the day, do what I want for the next 10 and then work the, the last two hours of the day. And it's just, you have to be, you have to be, uh, you have to adapt that to your life. And, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of little tricks I know people say about like, you know, setting your workplace, your workspace away from your personal space and stuff like that. I don't know. I don't know how much you get in, into all that, but, uh, it's really fascinating to like really get into the psychology of like how you can get yourself to be more productive and more controlling your time, et cetera. Yeah. And, um, you know, everyone that, uh, that's running their business, you know, that's, we all, we all begin to appreciate that at some time or another. And that's one of the things I didn't appreciate before I started the company, you know, before I started striking on my own, I didn't realize that that was going to be an issue, um, because it just starts to snowball, you know, like you feel like you should do more, you don't get it done. You're kind of down on yourself and then you stop working out because, you know, you, you feel like you need to be working more. Um, which is never the right answer, which is funny. You know, this is one thing I didn't appreciate. If you, uh, if you do exercise for 60 minutes a day, um, there's studies now, my dad's a neurologist, he never talking about this. You know, there's studies now doing 60 minutes of, of uh, cardio or some sort of activity a day it has the same effect on the brain as, as most of the prescription antidepressants. Oh, sure. Um, and I'm a big fan, you know, you know, if, if people need to be taking pills, by all means, they should be, they should be taking pills. But, uh, you know, people think that something as simple as, you know, running, or going for a walk for an hour, you know, you don't think it would have that big impact, that much of an impact on your life, but over time, it definitely does, and it actually can change the way your brain functions, which, um, you know, it's something that I uh, I didn't fully appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. So, Nick, let's uh, let's talk about what ultimately inspires you. So, when you are spending two hours on the couch, what what gets you off your ass at uh, at minute two hour one minute? Uh, you know, what gets you up in the morning? What gets you into the gym? What gets you, you know, uh, you know sending out those orders and continue to develop your product. What is ultimately inspiring you day to day? Yeah. So like the big, the big, um, my big driving force is, uh, you know, I started this, this company, uh, in, in Justin's name and, uh, you know, I've got his picture right here on my desk and, you know, when I start to slack off, he's like, all right, brother, Hey man, like we lost a lot of guys that, uh, that, um, that aren't here anymore. And, and, uh, by you wasting your time, like it's doing them a disservice, you know? Um, so that's kind of my big thing is when, you know, you, we get comfortable. Um, you know, that's when I kind of try to re readjust my priorities and, um, that's always been a big driver for me. And, uh, you know, I recently on the, on the website, I did a little blog post about finding purpose. So I guess you can boil it down even more saying like, just, just that we all have to find our purpose that gets us out of bed every day. And whether that's like volunteer work or, you know, people that are in the medical community, they always talk about just wanting to serve their patients. Um, you know, other people, it's just, you know, mothers looking after their children. Um, you know, it's just finding that purpose. And for me, like my ultimate purpose is just to create, um, this, this, this amazing company in honor of, of, of our fallen brothers that, uh, that's going to continue doing, uh, good work, um, over the long term for both, you know, people can say like, okay, skincare, not that big of a deal, right? Like whatever, not that important. Um, you know, I, I think it is a little more important than that because it's more of a lifestyle, but even more important is, is the funding that I'm really passionate about and, and, and providing, 
um, this funding to those organizations that, that are that are helping, you know, our brothers and sisters that are suffering um, from these mental wounds that aren't that aren't their fault, you know. Um, so that's kind of what gets me going is like looking past myself and looking past like, oh, I'm tired today, you know. Um, but just knowing what I'm doing is having a greater impact outside of myself um, and to ensure that I'm living my life in a way that would make my, my buddies that, uh, that aren't with us anymore proud. I like that. Very cool. Nick Carnese, Stubble and Stash. We've heard about your time in the Marine Corps. We've heard about uh, your venture as an entrepreneur. We've heard about the product. Now tell everybody where they can get it uh, to help take care of their beard. Yeah, so you can get it from our website. It's uh, www.stubbleandstash.com. That's S-T-U-B-B-L-E-A-N-D-S-T-A-C-H-E.com. Um, you can Google that too. It'll pop right up. Uh, we've got the Facebook page going, uh, the Instagram account. Um, so yeah, you can find it there. And uh, we, uh, we release all of our products first on our website. And we have an ever-growing list of, of retail partners. So you know any barbershop owners or boutique owners that want to carry our product, uh, they can reach out to us through, through the, the website. Um, we have our contact info listed there as well. Um, and yeah, you know, 2015 is going to be a big year of just expanding our national footprint uh, and getting into more places. I love that. Nick, thank you for joining me. Thank you for taking care of our beers. Thank you for supporting uh, our nation's veterans. And thank you, sir, for your service to our country. Hey, thank you, brother. Likewise. So you heard it, Warriors. If you're growing a beard, got to go to Stubble and Stash. Get some of their moisturizer, their uh, either balm, whatever, <laughs> their conditioner, whatever, whatever they truly call it. I'm stroking my beard right now. It feels kind of good. If you haven't tried growing a beard, I highly suggest it. It's uh, it's quite the experience. Like you feel like you're part of like a new brotherhood. Like oh, we got beards now, and like you start nodding at people with beards. Like hey, look at me, I got a beard too. You can always tell uh, when some dude's got a nice beard on. For some reason, there's something like powerful about that. Maybe not. Maybe I'm just maybe I'm just being wishful thinking for when my beard fully uh, grows out. Anyways, thank you so much for listening. Lockandloadjava.com is where you can cop yourself some awesome, awesome coffee. I love it. I know you will too. Double Barrel Black, Charlie Don't Surf, all of these are some of my favorites. Uh, if you're into uh, those types of coffee, check them out. Lock and Java, much more than a coffee company, I assure you. Lots of support in the veteran space, lots of support to veteran-owned businesses, and lots of support to the local community in general, veteran or non-veteran. We're all here. We're here to take care of each other. We're here to inspire each other, and we're we're here uh, to continue to grow with each other. And um, I hope that you feel that in a lot of, in a lot of the conversations that I have, and with the overall message that Lost Entertainment and Lock and Load Java send out during this program. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Tim. On behalf of Carl, Lori, and the rest of us here at Lock and Low Java, I'll see you next week. Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, marching. Left, right, left, right, left, right, left, marching. When I wanna give it, feel like waiting. Something keeps living inside me, keeps yelling. Tell me, push on, push harder past the limit. It's no time for the giving and stick to it when I'm giving them. It's my all, and so they march for the sergeant. Ready to give it all up for the cause and just charge it. When I tell them to let it loose with the weapons, you blasting it down the mannequin, backing off what they never do. Never give up, not without a fight. Just to save a life, they would die, give their life.